We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, it's your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me today to help break it all down and figure out where where the hell we go from here is my best friend, co-host, the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. You've had a night. I know you're not feeling great and you're playing you're playing through it today, my guy. But uh, you know, after a night to sleep on what is now in Miami Heat, two nothing series lead. How you feeling? Where you at? Uh, well, first, apologies to the listeners because I am uh, sick, as you could probably tell by my voice. So um, I hope this listening experience is uh, better for you than it is for me actually recording this podcast. But I think, like you said, we're here to break it all down. I don't know how much there actually is to break down in this game. Uh, I think there are some very easy talking points that we can get into. I'm feeling okay. Like... After the game last night, immediately, like Danielle's listening. She's, I think she's rewatching House right now, which has been a fun little experience in the house. And, you know, I see uh, what you did there. Yeah, there you go. Um, but she heard the Celtics lost on on my computer. And she just looked at me and she, because she, she knows what a loss does to me, right? It mm-hmm. completely destroys me. And she was like, Oh, are you okay? And I, I was like, I was like, honestly, I'm okay. Like, I don't have great expectations for this team i've kind of been um you know i'm aware of the fact that they're not a great team that if they end up winning the finals this year that somehow they 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 did it when i didn't expect them to do it my expectations for them are kind of low so that's kind of where i'm at right now but what are your thoughts i mean well first of all last night uh my girlfriend lorena she saw your post on instagram and she was like she knew the Celtics had lost, but she was like, wait, did there, is their season actually over? Because, <laughs> because of the picture you had posted about, or the video of uh, Grant Williams and Jimmy Butler, which, which we'll talk to. And, you know, here's the thing. We've, we, we've said this before, like you just mentioned. This is not a great team. This is a good team that can be great in small spurts, 
right? That's, yeah. I think, the best way to to really look at this team. And that's typically not the team that wins the NBA championship because consistency is such a, a key part of greatness. But there hasn't been a great team for the most part. Denver may be changing that. Miami is, is on a great run. I still don't yeah. know that they're a great team. They're on a great run right now. you know. But So it's just been a weird year in the NBA where it's like, hey, maybe – Maybe that's enough. But at the end of the day, I still feel like having seven starters plus two to three reliable bench guys makes us what should be the deepest team, you know, in the NBA or at least in the NBA playoffs. And, you know, maybe it will work out. Maybe it hasn't. But we've also talked about that there's the script that the Celtics do. And typically, part of that script would be a game like last night in which the Celtics have made their lives harder than it needed to be via game one. They come back and they typically respond, right? This is typically the place where the Celtics have a win that goes, okay, I, I remember this team. There's a reason that I keep getting sucked into this team. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen last night. It, it threatened to happen at a couple times, a couple points where you can go, okay, uh, this is the team where you know they're going to get an 8-12 to 12 point victory here and they're going to make a couple big plays. They're not going to let it get too close because we know when it gets too close. That's when it doesn't work out very well for this team. And they just weren't able to do that. So I, I think because, you know, I had an, I, I tweeted this the other day, and I think I talked about it with Adam as well. I had an eerie calmness going into last night where I just, I, it just kind of felt like this is what this team does. I've accepted it. This team is going to blow a game that I feel like they, they probably should have won in, in game one. And they're going to come back and they're going to, they're going to get a game two win by, you know, eight to 12 points. But that didn't happen. So I think this is the first time because even down three two against Philly, I still felt I was in my head it was that this feels dumb, but we're winning the series. I, I never still yeah. really felt like we're losing. This is the first time this playoffs where I'm kind of I'm I'm at the point where it's not done, but Miami is so mentally strong that I think that plus their coaching might be enough for them not to blow a two oh lead, especially winning yeah. both of these games on the road. For sure. And that's where, you know, the difference between Philly and Miami comes into play. The two last things you mentioned, their mental toughness and their coaching, right? Going up against Philly, it was like, do they really have an advantage with, um, you know, with the coaching aspect of it? Doc Rivers versus Joe Missoula? Not sure about that. Are they actually mentally tougher than the Celtics that are just not a mentally tough team? They proved that they were not. They were, in fact, the the weaker of the two teams with mental fortitude, right? But when you go up against the Miami Heat, you know those are the two areas that they're going to be able to um, win the battle almost every game. They're going to focus. They're going to be ex- executing the game plan consistently. They just went to a zone defense, and apparently zone defense is just like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and the crew just have no idea how to beat his own defense because it's we the same this. Same shit that happened in the bubble. Yeah. You know, um, the one guy over the past like five years that has been able to break down his own defense for the Celtics was Gordon Hayward, but he was never, he was never healthy. Right. So the zone defense at the Heat run, they're literally just putting like four guys on the perimeter because you heard what Spo said in the timeout. He said, if if they don't shoot threes, they can't beat us. Right. So they said, all right, what are we going to do? How are we going to prevent them shooting threes? Well, we're not going to over rotate. We're going to sit in the zone. We're going to make them make like very simple reads. And um, from there, we're going to take away the three-point line and dare them to beat us inside. You know, in the fourth quarter where the Celtics ultimately lost the game, they were one for eight from three. So they were still Mm -hmm. trying to shoot the three. Uh, It just didn't go well. The the shots didn't go down. Some of those were contested Tatum threes. Um, I I think maybe JB took one or two threes. Smart took a three. But it just like 
it, it just didn't go well in that fourth quarter. And it comes down to focus. It comes down to execution. And the first guy we need to talk about, man, we got to talk about Jalen Brown because yep. Jalen Brown had by far the worst game of his playoff career. He was abysmal. He played 12 minutes in that fourth quarter when he probably should have played five. You know, uh, Missoula took him out at the end of the third. That's when the Celtics like really started to make their run. Uh, Tatum playing playing that lineup. I think it was him, Brogdon, White, Grant, and Rob. I think that was the Sounds lineup that right. closed closed yeah. the third. But that was the lineup that kind of uh, stood out to me. But with JB, so Brendan Smith, my my high school coach, um, he texts me all the time about about the about uh, the, about the Jays, about Tatum and Brown, and he said to me, he said Jalen Brown just isn't that guy. He's got a little too much Kyrie mentality on the court, right? Just And to me, that means like the tunnel vision mm-hmm. aspect of it. And you saw some plays last night where the tunnel vision was, it was abhorrent. Um, Four on some one type t- tunnel vision. Yeah. We were like, we don't need to go one on four. There was part of it where I understood that he was trying to, oh, let's get in transition. And, and he's, he's really, really good in transition. We've, we've been over this. He's one of the best transition players, but it has to exist, right? You can't make a four on one into a transition opportunity, especially against a team like Miami. That's just not going to work. Yeah. And he, he had done it earlier in the game, right? I, that one play that comes to mind, Jalen pushing the ball in semi transition gets into the paint kind of gets caught in no man's land, honestly, and throws a pass back out to Tatum. Tatum steps into a rhythm three, but he fakes the rhythm three, goes lefty hezzy for a dunk, leads to a Miami timeout, right? So he had done this exact thing earlier in the game. It led to something positive, but he made the pass, right? In this, he goes one on four, Mm -hmm. and he takes that floater against four guys when literally everybody on the court's wide open at the three-point line. Like, just make the pass, and we probably get a good shot there. Um, But JB overall was just horrible on the court there were some crazy numbers in terms of on off numbers with jb offensive rating defensive rating he was really bad and the fact that he played 12 minutes in that fourth quarter and Derek white who i thought had a great first half ends up playing like three minutes in the second half and joe just forgot about white in the second half and i thought that was also a big problem yeah both both Derek white and robbins looking at this earlier before we started here both of them played under 10 minutes in that second half and you mentioned i think those were two of the guys that i thought played well last night those were two guys that i thought had impact on the game you know looking at jalen brown here while we, we stick on this here for another minute he just didn't have it from the jump right this was one of those games where i think he was one of nine ultimately three of 12 um you know in that first half and you could just tell it just it just it just wasn't one of those jb nights and you know it's it's kind of surprising when you look at you know it's not surprising to see he was minus 24 last night plus or minus can be not the greatest individual stat but you know that certainly jumps out to you in you know a six point loss that your second best player is minus 24 and he played just under 38 minutes and played the entire fourth quarter that's that's going to jump out to you you know i i'm a little surprised that he only had two turnovers it it felt like there was more turnovers. You know, he had six turnovers in in game one. I would venture to say it actually felt like he had more turnovers in game two than he did game one. And, you know, some of that was just the decision making. And I can think of, you know, there was a specific play where, and I can't remember if this was the third or fourth quarter, but he was basically doing what we just described where he was going, you know, four on one, three on one. And he did the very classic Jalen Brown move when you know his decision-making is just not where it needs to be. When he goes full bore into the lane, head down, realizes he has nothing, jumps in the air and turns and hopes 
that there's someone yeah. there as an outlet. And he got the ball to Jason Tatum. It wasn't a turnover. So I remember it specifically. I can't remember what happened on the rest of the play, but just watching that. I yeah. think that's the play I was referencing. That's the one you're okay. There's yeah, another one yeah. that I was thinking of of him just driving four and one where he where he put up a shot. So yeah, yeah. So so I, I talked about two. So maybe plays, we're talking right? about both of those. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. So that that's what I was saying is that like earlier in the game he did the exact same thing and it led to the Tatum dunk, mm-hmm. right? But this this next time he ends up shooting the ball, um, yeah. one on four and it just didn't go well. Some great stats from Brian Barrett, um, from the Ringer. Jalen on the court last night in 38 minutes, he was a, the team was 92.1 offensive rating, 125.3 defensive rating for a minus 33.2 net rating. In the 10 minutes, Jalen's off the court, the team's offensive rating, 166.7, defensive rating, 77.3 for a plus 89.4 net rating. So that just tells you Jalen Brown was, I mean, anytime he was on the court last night, he was getting exposed. He was getting um, beat off of backdoor cuts. He couldn't stay with Duncan Robinson or any of the shooters oh God, coming that, off that the screens, bad. Max yeah. Struess and Duncan Robinson. So, I mean, there, there's there's some issues there, like the Duncan Robinson threes, Rob Williams just sitting in a deep drop. Like you got to come up and just like show a hand to Duncan Robinson there when he's coming off that, off that wide screen from Bam. But and yeah, tough game, tough game, dude. And, you know, this, the simplistic version, and, and there's more to it, but I think it always starts with, you know, it, it's kind of a tag team match, right? Like, how does Jimmy and Bam do against Tatum and Brown? And then you look at the three through six or three through seven and, and, and see what happens there. And just straight up, Jimmy and Bam have been have been really good in these first two games. You know, Bam last night, 22 points, 17 rebounds, nine assists. Jimmy, we'll talk about him, but just filled the stat sheet, 27 points, eight rebounds, six assists, three steals two blocks like you just look at that star matchup and you know here's the thing like Miami we've said it before and Miami's three through seven has showed out in this in this in these first two games so far they've shown up in a big way uh with multiple guys you know you know having contributing you know having having moments not just contributing but having moments you know and so they've done they've done that in a really big way to to break that disparity down which we thought was going to be the strongest part of the Celtics depth here was okay one and two like Tatum and Brown are still better than Jimmy and Bam but it's a little bit closer but then that three through seven the gap is is going to be much wider that has not been the case and Jimmy and Bam have been better than than Tatum and, and Brown so far and so it's just Dude, not- forget Jimmy and Bam right Jalen Brown Caleb Martin been, <laughs> Caleb Martin has been outplayed by uh, Caleb Martin has outplayed Jalen Brown this, this over the first yeah. two games you can make an argument that even like Duncan Robinson's been more effective than Jalen Brown on the court like Jalen's been that bad over two games so like going into game three which like I want to transition into here soon like this is a legacy game for Jalen Brown. Yeah. I tweeted this out. Like he's coming off the worst game of his career. He's always stepped up. Like that's why I love JB. Is like you know that you can count on him in the biggest moments. You saw that in the finals last year. Although he had those turnovers, he outplayed Tatum. Right? Mm-hmm. He was he was the better of the two in the finals last year. And JB is always there for the big moments, which is why it was so surprising that he was yeah. the worst player on the court last night. Yeah, let's let's take a quick break because I I want I want to do a little bit more on this game before we go to before we go. Sounds to good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. So, so you just mentioned Jason Tatum. I think we need to talk at least a little bit about about Tatum here. Tatum had an unbelievable first quarter, unbelievable third quarter. The fourth quarter in these in this series so far, three total field goal attempts, which is a bit misleading because he got to the free throw line. He's got to the free throw line thirteen times over yeah. these last two fourth quarters. So that's that, that's a bit misleading. Don't love that. But the fact that remains is he has zero field goals made in either mm-hmm. of these fourth quarters. And on top of that, he had two turnovers last night, and it feels like in both of these games, there's been at least one moment where he can't get by Max Struess. And then there's been another moment where he just dribbles the ball off his own foot, off somebody else's foot. And, it I mean, it's been a problem. Like, it, he's gotten he's gotten 13 points just from getting to the line. But Jason Tatum not being able to to seize the moment. Now I'm not saying he can't. Obviously, I was in the building for Game Seven. I'm not. I'm not mm-hmm. going going that route. Don't don't get me wrong. But when you look at these two games and you look at the fact that the Celtics were in Game One after blowing a third quarter lead, they were still right there in Game One, and they had an eight point lead going into the fourth quarter. Here, you kind of got to look to your superstar, right? You got to look to a little bit of how can you know and i and tatum was so hot in that third quarter i had tweeted there's got to be times where this offense just needs to run through tatum and then there needs to be times where tatum goes he, i'm being selfish but you have to get him in the right positions to, to to make those plays and that hasn't happened either that's that's somewhat of a testament to to miami um but i think it's a little bit of the celtics and including jason tatum turning the ball over getting in their own way yeah i would if, if we're going blame blame pie tatum gets zero of the blame in my opinion um fourth quarter i think he you know he comes out of the game with like maybe eight or nine minutes left he sits mm-hmm. for those three minutes and in those three minutes that's where things fell apart right when yeah Tatum's i also didn't court. understand i mean i know he played 43 minutes last night but you got to find some rest earlier in the game if that's if that's the case like 
it yeah, I think I think he took a he took a tired three, and Joe was. I think Joe saw that he he just needed a break at that point. But I agree, like he, he you got to find him a couple a couple minutes earlier in the half. But he was just so damn good. That's one of the issues yeah. with Tatum is like it's hard to take him off the court. If you if you go to Brian Barrett's uh, Twitter, will there's mm-hmm. some great great stats on Tatum's on off um, as well. If you want to read those here in a second, but you know with Tatum. It's tough, man. When the Heat are in that zone and they're just literally putting a wall at the three-point line and the only offense that the Celtics are running is just Jason Tatum with the ball at the top of the key against that zone, as much as Stan Van Gundy was harping on how effective going pick and roll against that zone was for the Celtics, once we took Rob Williams off the court, like we couldn't get anything going in that pick and roll. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't put that on Tatum. Like Tatum is a great um, zone breaker from the middle. Right. If you yep. put Tatum at the foul line instead of having him at the top of the key with the entire defense looking at him with no movement on offense, it's very easy to guard him. And that that's a that's a coaching thing. I think that's an execution thing, is like recognizing, okay, they're locked in on Tatum. He's one of the the best guys at the foul line on the team. He's a great decision maker. How can we put him in positions to be a little bit more successful where the entire defense isn't just like focusing on him in those moments? Yeah. So I don't put any of the blame on Tatum, to be honest with you. And he had three assists in that in that fourth quarter as well. Yeah. That, I mean, I mean, that's a fair point. And you know, and, and I have those numbers here that you were looking for. So uh, this is once again from Brian Barrett of the Ringer. Tatum sat for six minutes, the Celtics in those minutes, 70 offensive rating, 163.6 defensive rating, obviously a negative 93.6 net, minus 11 total in those six minutes that Jason Tatum's out. So to your point, it's just really hard to to take him off the court, especially a night like, like last night where JB doesn't have it, didn't play Derek White or Rob Williams probably enough, and that's, you know, Missoula last night, I'll just say this, so... The final, it wasn't going to be probably the, the difference maker, but him not calling that last time out just infuriated me. Down, yeah, he still has a chance. Nine that's what seconds I'm saying. Shit happens. The it's the NBA plus. How many times have yeah. we seen the Reggie Miller thing? We've you know we've seen you know the the point four seconds. The fact that you just quit as a coach that that drove me more nuts than any rotation or just lack of feel that he had throughout the night was just the fact that you're very big about playing through your mistakes and setting the tone and all this yada yada bullshit that he spews and there's 8 seconds left you have a timeout and you don't take it and you like what how do you play through 8 seconds down 6 like there's, there's just not a way to do that you have to call a timeout run a play yeah. get a shot immediately if you make it hopes them like the Celtics are really good at actually in on inbound plays like I've seen yeah. the Celtics create five second violations I've seen them get steals jump balls you know bat the ball off somebody and so just not to give your team a chance that that uh absolutely infuriated me from Joe Missoula but let's go to let's go to the topic that I think got the the most attention immediately real, real quick before, yeah. before that I have one one trivia question for you oh let's go I like trivia. this uh it, it's game specific yeah, fourth quarter cool. specific how many field goals do you think the Celtics made in the fourth quarter of last night's game? Seven. They made seven. You got that right. Who made those seven field goals? I, I, I'm cheating because I think I looked this up earlier. Okay. I know. I think three were Rob Williams. Yes. And three were. Was it Brogdon? No. Grant Williams. It's Grant Williams. The it's Williams Grant Williams. brothers. It was the Williams brothers. That's had six of the seven. Yeah, that's, field that's goals what it was made in the fourth quarter. Just not yeah, a recipe for success. Is, but also, the, you know, Rob Rob was great in the fourth quarter, and then we took him out. He didn't see the court. Rob was, Rob Horford, was one of the Horford's, few guys that was Horford's breaking that bad. zone. Horford's been yeah. really bad. That, that's that's another 
issue where, yeah, just, just Horford has to be better. I mean, he had that offensive foul late on, on Max Struess on the offensive rebound, then he didn't box out, bam, on that putback when it went from yeah. 103 to 105. We got the easy dunk. So, yeah, Al, Al's been bad. Rob was great at breaking the zone. I think you touched on that a little bit, too. The him and him and Tatum, you know, uh, high pick and roll against that zone was working. Rob actually, Rob showed me something last night. Rob had a couple of, you know, he had that and one where he had a little kind of a sky hook, kind of just threw it off the backboard. But yeah. you know what? It was something. It was something. I've been asking for, for Rob to have a move or something. So, you know, last night after what I thought was not a great Rob Williams game in game one, minus his offensive rebounding, I thought he was a lot better last night and, and should have been on the court more than he was and then let's go to let's go to the other Williams brother because I think that like I said that was the other kind of big story from from last night he obviously we've been over the saga of the the DNP saga of Grant Williams throughout these playoffs and maybe in Atlanta you could find some ways that it made sense I don't think it's made sense versus versus Philly and I certainly didn't think it made sense in game one against Miami and then he comes back last night plays uh just under 26 minutes and so last night with Grant Williams, I think there's kind of three things for me. Number one, overall, he played good. Overall, he had a – sorry, there's a bug on my microphone that just freaked <laughs> me out. Um, overall, he played very well and I think showed why it was it was kind of dumb, just to be honest, that he wasn't out there at all in game one and why it's been weird that he's not out there for anything. Guy played 26, 27 minutes a game over over 70-plus games in the regular season, and the fact that he's just out of the rotation hasn't made sense. He showed that. That's number one. Number two, I think the moment that's highlighted is obviously he hits that three, gets in Jimmy Butler's ear. Jimmy has a meme that is now going to live in infamy across the across the internet for forever, and we're going to have to watch it. And you know, and then Jimmy they go they go forehead to forehead, and Jimmy goes Jimmy goes off. You know, after, from that point on, I know there's several threads about what happened from that point. Twenty to nine, heat run. Uh, Jimmy Butler just just kind of doing his thing, kind of put Grant in a in a torture chamber. I'll I'll let you respond to this in a second. I didn't agree with him going. Listen, I thought Grant was already setting the tone without having to do that. I thought yeah. Grant was, was was doing what he needed to do, what the team needed. He was doing that with his play. I thought that was a moment of of Grant probably getting a little bit the moment not the moment getting too big but Grant trying to put insert himself into the moment more than he needed to. He was already doing it. He didn't need to do that. Now having said that, number 3, that is not the reason the Celtics lost this game. The fact that he actually stood up to Jimmy, I like that. I like that he was, you know, aggressive. I like that he was kind of standing toe to toe and even though shots when Jimmy went off after Grant talked shit, Grant played good D on those. Like those were really tough shots that I thought that I thought Jimmy hit. So I don't think it's the reason they lost the game. I don't think he needed to do that. I think that was an accelerant to Jimmy Butler's mindset, which just was not needed. And so I do think that that hurt the team, but I don't think it's the reason they lost. And overall, I think he played great. I think he needs to be back in the lineup. I think having him out there made a, you know, made a very, very noticeable difference. So those are my three takes on kind of Grant Williams and the situation as a whole. I mean, when when that happens, Celtics are up nine, right? As you said, the the Heat go on that twenty to nine run um, from that moment on, and it looked like Jimmy Butler was tired in that game. It yes. looked like he was ready to wilt, and like I don't know, bro. I thought that woke him up. I that's really what I'm saying. Did. It was an accelerant. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. that, that, but like, there, there are people out there that are like, oh, like that's not the reason the Celtics lost at all. Like, don't put any of this on Grant Williams. Like, yeah, but you got to put a little bit on Grant Williams yeah. here because like there's a very good chance if he doesn't do that, that Jimmy Butler continues because he was kind of like 
hiding in that fourth quarter. Jimmy Butler wasn't being Jimmy Butler. I know he does have a sense for the moment. He always does take take over the last they, six, they, seven minutes of the game. Talked about on the broadcast that, you know, as you know, someone's shooting free throws, Jimmy Butler's way down. He's not even making it down court. He's yeah. he's trying to catch his breath. And, you know, Grant gets to chirping because because Grant likes to be in the mix as that guy, even though I don't, you know, he just didn't need to do it. It, it just it no. just was so unnecessary. Yeah, my brother, my brother's, he always texts me after games with his takeaways. And one of, one of his points was Grant just needs to learn to shut the fuck up. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like it's like Grant, the refs, like you're dude, you're the eighth guy on the team. You're the eighth guy on the team. Jimmy Butler is the MVP of the playoffs. What are you doing? Yeah. Like why, why is Grant Williams the one to go at Jimmy Butler? Like if that's coming from smart or that's coming from Jalen who like has this relationship with Jimmy Butler, they talked about, yeah, that makes a little bit more sense. But Grant, that's the issue with him, man. It's like, just know know your role, man. You were playing an awesome game. You don't need to be the one to get in Jimmy Butler's head. You saw what Jimmy Butler did to Drew Holiday in the Bucks series. Like, Jimmy Butler, when he gets... See, Jimmy Butler's mentality is such an important part of his game. Like, when you make him lock in extra focus in the, like in that moment, in a big moment, Jimmy Butler's going to rise to the occasion. And it didn't seem like he was super locked in in that game. And that moment did mm-hmm. have him lock in. It, you know, and then it took Joe, left Grant in there because Grant had been playing good. But he needed to take him out of the game sooner than he did because Brogdon sure. was was on the bench. And Brogdon actually plays really good defense against Jimmy Butler. So Butler was three for six in that fourth quarter. But I think he was three for three against Grant, against Grant Williams. And then Brogdon comes in and just plays better D. And yeah. Jimmy goes 0 for three. And then at that point, like that's when Kay Vincent hit the shot on Tatum and all these other, the Bam Adebayo rebound, all these other things that happened in the fourth quarter. By the way, well, rebounds in the fourth quarter. Miami, 14, Boston, four. So yeah. just... Fourth quarter, it's it's not on Grant. That's uh, and that's kind of the point. Grant didn't help the cause by doing that. that, That's pretty much I think what we're both trying to say. He didn't help the cause by doing this. He's not the sole cause, but that certainly played a role. I think if you're just saying it 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 deserves zero blame, I think that's wrong. I think if you're giving him the whole blame, that's also wrong. You know what I mean? There's 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 a lot of this to to go around, and you know, you you touched on it right. Once Jimmy kind of kind of. Hit, you know, his eyes lit up, right? His eyes have been lighting up when he gets Grant, when he got Peyton Bridget in game one. And, you know, when he gets Derek White, and Derek White, I think, you know, works his ass off against Jimmy, but Jimmy's just like, I, I'm going to shoot over this guy. I'm going to outmuscle this guy. And I think Derek got him once last night, but Jimmy also got him a couple times. So, you know, I, I think at a certain point, then that needed to be an adjustment from Missoula, right? Oh, okay. Like, and also, you know, I, I Grant needed to play. I didn't necessarily know that I wouldn't say that Grant is the best like primary matchup for Jimmy, which we kind of went to last night. Um, you know, I, I don't mind if he ends up with him on a switch, which is why I like him out there. You know what I mean? I, I like Grant out there to have that big body and that physicality. But then at a certain point, it, it was really weirdly just like, yeah, Grant, you take Jimmy. And it was like, that needs to be some more help, maybe a double. And then to your point, Malcolm Brogdon, that, that was actually very surprising for me last night watching Malcolm Brogdon uh D up Jimmy Butler to the extent that he did. Like he played really good defense. And like you said, once they made that switch and came back in, Jimmy you know went 0 for three or 0 for two on directly on Malcolm Brogdon, but then we did, didn't secure the rebound. And so, mm-hmm. like we said, not all on Grant, because there was a lot of stuff that went wrong. And yeah, just a overall, just a really tough night, top to bottom from the Celtics in a game that they absolutely needed to have. But it is what it is. It is 2-0 Miami. We're heading back. We're heading to Miami right now. Got to win on the road. And let's take a break and we'll talk about that. 
All right, Greg. Game three, Sunday night in Miami, down 2-0. It still feels a little bit hard to say that out loud and just be like, how is this real? How is this real? One thing I will say, though, for everybody that loves those, you know, to go back to, man, I wish we had those Isaiah Thomas teams, yada, yada, yada. They never really had a chance to win, but there was an eight seed they played one time with a guy named Jimmy Butler who won two games in Boston. And the Celtics ended up winning that series. That was, of course, back when he was with the Bulls. Rajon Rondo gets hurt, which was probably the big swing part of that series. Um, but a Jimmy Butler team that was up 2-0 after stealing two games in Boston. An eight seed versus a one seed. It's been done, but this is certainly a, a different beast now. So we look to game three here. I mean, it's it, it's just... It goes without saying it's a must win. It's the biggest game of the season. It's the season on the brink. All of that stuff applies. And you would hope the Celtics know this. But then again, they've said multiple times, yeah, we took it like a regular season, not a conference, you know, not a conference finals game. So I, I would hope they come out with that meant with the with the right mentality. Where do you think this, you know, the game plan for for game three? starts i know you talked about jalen brown you think this is a legacy game for him is it the play of of jalen brown or 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 what do you think is most crucial heading into game three Uh, yeah i think the this is a player's game you know i think there's gonna need to be a game here where missoula does something on the coaching aspect makes some sort of adjustment that helps the celtics be in a position to win the game um i don't know if that is uh abandoning the double big starting lineup that's where i would start in game three is i would go back to the starting lineup with Derek white in there real quick of, would you have done that last night for game two um no or would i would give it one more yeah i i think th- they did the right thing giving okay. it one more game and they the Celtics should have won the game last night you know yeah. um i think there are ways you know second half he went back to the normal Started starting lineup. The second half so yeah. i think that that tells you what joe's probably going to do to start game three i think he just recognizes that the Celtics with the double bigs. It's just not working against the Heat. Um, it, they needed it against Joel Embiid just because of his sheer size. But this is what I said coming into this series about the Heat. I was like, how quickly are the Celtics going to abandon that double big lineup because the Heat are going to spread you out. They play that equal opportunity offense. All these guys are empowered to make decisions. Caleb Martin's doing Caleb Martin things. Gabe yep. Vincent, Kyle Lowry, Max Struess. Um, Duncan Robinson, like all these guys are making an impact just because of the style of play and the coaching and the execution that they have there. So I think the easy thing is to make that quick adjustment, but the player's got to step up, right? Jalen Brown's got to be better on both ends of the court. I'm expecting JB to come out firing in that first quarter and have a big first quarter as Jalen Brown does, but like it can't just be Jalen Brown going one on four in transition, right? There has to be, um, plays designed for Jalen Brown to get easy buckets. If the heat goes zone early in the game, which I'm sure they will, we need to see the adjustments very quickly, right? Um, I don't know if that's Horford in, in the middle of the zone or if that's putting Tatum in the middle of the zone, as I suggested, or that's getting Horford off the court and going more to that Rob Williams, Grant Williams lineup um, that works so well in, in game two. Mm-hmm. So I would start by changing the starting lineup and then my next adjustment would be trying Tatum at the foul line against the zone. Okay. And let me ask you a follow-up on that, on on changing the starting lineup, because we talked about this. We, we didn't go in-depth, but but Al's been bad. Al's been been bad in the series. He's been underwhelming for, for, for most of the postseason. A lot of that is obviously tied to his inability to to capture that elite three-point shot, which, you know, now is not looking like a great, like a great comment from from earlier in the postseason. So with switching that lineup, 
And maybe you would just do this more as, um, you know, a minute dispersion as the game goes on. Would you think about changing that lineup, but moving Al to the bench and leaving Rob in the starting lineup? Or would you keep it as what you had all season? And and then, like I said, just kind of go through the feel of maybe this needs to be a little bit more Rob and Grant versus Al. Yeah, that's what I would do. I would keep it the same as it's been all season. Um, I'm, I, I expect Horford to step up at some point in this series, but he he's a good matchup for Joel Embiid because he can anticipate where Embiid is going to move next, and he's able to absorb the impact of Embiid's big body because he's always like slightly a step ahead of Embiid. But Bam is just different, man. As I said on the pod, like he is not a big man. He's a huge wing. Yeah. That's what Bam Adebayo is. He's ginormous, and he plays with such speed and such force that his quickness allows him to get better leverage on Horford, and he just cooks him, man. Like Bam Adebayo cooks Al Horford. Rob Williams is the guy that does a decent job guarding him. Grant can do a decent job guarding him as well. So like with the, with the Williams brothers on the court, I like them better on a matchup with Bam. Horford... Man, he's struggling. He's struggling to stay in front of Bam. So this, it might be maybe game four if Horford continue or second half of game three. Horford's just like not bringing it against Bam. Mm -hmm. Like maybe that's when you go to the Rob with the first unit lineup because Rob's been better against Bam in the series. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely something that the Celtics, you know, have to consider. Um, You know, I'm just looking at through this, you know, through two games right now. Celtics are losing the rebounding battle. Celtics are losing the turnover battle and losing the three point line. Those are that that just can't happen, you know. Yeah. The 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 three point line is one that is really killing them, and that's you know a credit to part of that's just a credit to Eric Spolstra. You know, one thing that killed me, and I texted you this last night, is I I didn't watch all of the post games. I just I just I couldn't watch all the pressers, but I've seen some of the quotes, and I was watching part of it on uh, on TNT. And Joe Mazzulla was asked about the Celtics not really making. I don't think they made a field goal in the last four minutes, and one of his responses: We got good looks, we just missed the shots. And I don't have any hair to pull out, Greg, but the, the hair that's on my beard was all over my floor. I was just losing it. It was it just it was so not just about missing good looks. It just it, it, it just was not. But, you know, this team right now, they really do. I mean, Spolster has it down. He's not wrong. Right. When he says if this team doesn't make threes, I don't think they can beat us. Yeah, he, he's, he's not wrong. And so. The Celtics have got to find a way to manufacture threes, and I think that's going to start on the defensive end, right? They got to get out in transition. They need to get those those paint touches before Miami sets their zone so that they can get into the heart of the defense. And then, you know, like we talked about, Jalen Brown had four guys open at the three-point line different times when he was trying to individually push the ball in transition. The Celtics got to get out and run. They got to get out and do that. You know, it's, I mean, here's the thing. I, it's hard right now to try to say something that feels like, man, we haven't thought of that. Cause we know this team, we've been talking about what this team needs to do for mm-hmm. what, six months now or, or however yeah. long it's been. Like, we know the recipe. They just aren't doing it. And, you know, to Miami's credit, they're, you know, they're, they're making their own adjustments that are making it difficult. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, that I think I agree with you that it starts on the defensive end, but Miami's such a, well-coached team that they're not going to beat themselves and the Celtics kind of need to play against teams right now because the Celtics as we said earlier are not a great team Mm -hmm. right the the Heat are not a great team either but they are a focused team they're a well-coached team and like the Celtics need to kind of rely on teams to beat themselves to some degree because the Celtics have a hard time just like manufacturing points if teams just don't turn the ball over 
You know, like yeah. it, our hot half court offense just isn't great. Jalen Brown isn't great in the half court. He's much better out in transition. And I think Jalen maybe had two transition points last night. And I, I, I looked at it earlier, but I forget. It just felt like overall the Celtics were just kind of um, bogged down by the Heat's game plan. And hopefully in game three, our role players outplay their role players, which would be nice because their role players, as we touched on earlier, have been better in this yeah. series. Max Struess. And this is what I said, dude, when we, when we were at the game, when we were at our men's league game on Wednesday, I was like, we might just be a couple years like early before people come to the party on certain guys on the Heat roster. Like I'm, I've always been a Max Struess guy. I, I think he he brings a lot to the table. Gabe Vincent, I've always been a fan of him as well. And like maybe it's just like in 18 months from now, everyone's like, oh yeah, Max Struess is like pretty solid starting two guard in the NBA. Oh yeah, Gabe Vincent, pretty solid NBA point guard. It's just like, we don't have that much of a track record with those guys yet. So we yeah. haven't quite got there I mean, it, Same thing I said about Jalen Brunson versus John Moran coming in the For sure. Season. For sure. I I think with, with Brunson, he had done a little bit more just given what his responsibilities were in the offense yeah. that, you know, felt, felt better about that. I mean, I'll be honest. When I look at some of these heat guys, I, I feel like there's a better, more than there's a chance that we look three years from now. And it's like, man, that guy got $20 million from the Hawks and he's killing it. I think there's more of a chance we look at them that they're like, you know, do you remember the name Jonathan Simmons from the, from the San Antonio Spurs? Like, you know, a guy like that where he was, Oh man, we got to find this guy or we got to find, I think they, and they might've had Damari Carroll first, you know, guys like that, that were like, man, look at them with the Spurs. And then they kind of go elsewhere and it's, they're fine, but they're 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 nothing like an, as enhanced as they were. As, well, I mean, as, like, but, but th- think about what you're saying there. They they leave the best coach maybe in NBA history and Greg Popovich and go elsewhere and don't succeed. And then maybe they're you know the best coach right now, Eric Spolstra, and go elsewhere. They don't succeed. Like uh, part of that's definitely coaching. Well, that, that's kind of my point. I think it's more coaching than it is than it yeah. is the players. That, that 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 would be my guess for for some of these guys here. And yeah, it's 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 really shouts tough. to you, Evan Turner. <laughs> it's uh but it's just dude it's so tough to win when you got gabe vincent maxers and caleb martin all shooting you know over 40 percent from the three-point line you know 12 points so per game for gabe vincent max drews 13 20 for caleb martin uh i mean shit i, I didn't even I, I used to say one of the martin twins now i have to respect it and make sure i know it's caleb martin right i can't just say yeah. he's one of the martin twins anymore it's definitively caleb martin and yeah i mean with with miami we kind of expect Jimmy and Bam to have good games, right? Or to, you know, to to be at least the, you know, the base of, of where my, or the floor of where Miami can be at. And it's always been, yeah, we just can't allow for multiple of these role guys to go off. And each game, there's been two or three of them in the first game. They had four guys score 15, score 15 points. This get this last game in game two, you know, you had that big game from Caleb Martin with 25 points. Duncan Robinson showed up. Max Struess was in double digits. Gabe Vincent was right there as well. Just, uh, just, I mean, I think that's got to be an emphasis for game three is taking away those role guys. Jimmy and Bam are gonna are, are gonna be problems in in their own ways because they're stars. So we know that that's going to happen. But I think you need to take away those alternative options for Miami. You have to find a way. To, to take those guys out of it and say, almost to a degree at this point, just say, Jimmy and Bam, both of you guys got to go nu- nuclear with very little help to go ahead and beat us. Like, I almost feel like it, you, you might need to do something like that come game three, but easier yeah. said than done. Yeah. Um, Celtics got to win game three, man. Got to win game three. Yeah. I think that's that's obvious, but, you know, it's true. Uh, the great thing about this is, although we're down 2-0, we're capable of winning on the road. 
we still have the talent that we can win any one-off game, right? So we just got four or five one-off games left, hopefully, and um, hopefully the Celtics can pull it out. But I, 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 I'm not completely sold on the Celtics losing this series. I still think there's a world in which we win both in Miami and then everything's right in the world. Mm-hmm. And we maybe like this time we just needed to go get, get ourselves into a bigger hole than normal <laughs> and uh, climb, climb our way out. So I, I'm, I'm not completely giving up on, on the season. I still think there's a chance Celtics make the finals. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not giving up on it. I just, like I said, this is the first time I've really felt almost the first time I've really dealt with the mortality of the Celtics run. Uh, yeah, man, this is, this is, this is trouble here, and you know the the Heat are along with the Lakers and and Nuggets. None of those teams have lost in their home court yet, so gonna it's gonna be tough. It's not gonna be easy. And but the Celtics, the Celtics have a losing record at home. Celtics right? are now have a losing. Celtics are four yeah. and five at home. That okay. That before before we sign off here, that just makes no fucking sense. Like it's so hard. Like that's one that I I and they have a losing record over the last two years now. They were 500 going into last time. They're six and seven, or no, that can't be that. But it's, it's more than that. But they're they're one game under 500 over the last two years, and we kind of talked about this leading up to the postseason, right? Like I don't know if it matters what seed the Celtics are because they don't really win at home, anyways, right? Yeah. So so maybe that doesn't matter, but that is just one of the strangest mental sports quirks that I can remember in a long time. That a team that's all kind of been in the top five regular season home record over the last you know x amount of years. And when it comes to playoff time, they're 500, sub 500. That just it makes no sense. I don't know anyone that would be able to find a rational explanation for it. But Road Warriors, Boston Celtics, here we go. Game three, Sunday night in Miami, season on the line. We'll see what happens. And then we'll come back in and we'll we'll break it all down and we'll see where we go from here. Hopefully it's 2-1 and not 3-0. If it's 3-0, Man, some real tough conversations going to be happening in the chat that day as we look towards what would be a very, very interesting offseason. But that's going to do it for this episode of Green with Envy. Uh, We'll be back probably uh, early Monday morning with a three-man weave to recap everything that happened uh, in Game 3 on Sunday night. But as always, make sure you're following along with us across YouTube, across Twitter. Uh, We'll make sure that we try to get a pregame Instagram Live up for Sunday. So make sure that you guys are following us on that. We'll try to have that available for y'all. But we appreciate everybody for tuning in as always. Greg? Any final thoughts? And then let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. Jalen Brown, faith, consistency, hard work pays off. Let's go, baby. With that, we're going to play you out. Black Sheep Optimist, Skywalking. Energy's about to shift. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, think it is a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stick for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that she wrote But I'd be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embodied that's what go with the flow I can sing a different song if I cannot hit the notes You had me taking off when you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now, but the won't Everyone is talking about magnesium It's all you hear about 
But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.